The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 124, for Monday, October 22nd, 2007. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun. We're back after a week away. How are you, John? You're back. I was here. Yeah, I know. I, I was traveling. I was all over creation. Those of you that uh, listen to the show or read my blog or whatever, you know that I've been bouncing around a lot lately and it just didn't work last week schedule wise. But, you know, it, as I was setting up uh, today, I'm actually really excited to 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 be. I mean, I actually am happy to podcast every week, but this week it was like I was itching to do it. Started about Thursday. I'm like, God, you know, we, we got to do a show. It's, you know, it just didn't feel right. It's like an outlet. It's It's therapy, I think, for all of us. For all of us. That's right, John. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So some of you emailed in and said, Where, where's the show? Where's the show? Because we didn't really plan to skip it. Uh, frankly, I just hadn't looked that far ahead in my schedule. Otherwise, I would have realized it. But I did post to my blog at DaveTheNerd.com and uh, have also started uh, at PME. Bill Palmer of iProng kind of got me into the whole Twitter realm thing. Oh, Him and a couple no. other people. Yeah, oh, no. I, I'm not a It's hot- bad enough you have that damn trio. Now you're Twittering. I mean... <laughs> Your attention span's gonna like be seconds now. Uh, you know, I, I I I am not a high volume Twitterer. I am simply Dave Hamilton on on okay. Twitter. Uh, I I kind of use it just to keep people posted as to what I'm doing, and and you're welcome to uh, to follow me there and and things like the show and when you know prepping it and that sort of thing. We'll I'll, I'll kind of push announcements out that way if uh, for those of you that are following that way too. So twitter.com slash Dave Hamilton, Dave, the nerd.com. That's the ways to, uh, to follow okay. me around. I'm just kidding, but I can imagine an extreme where oh, it's insane. There'll be people, people that will, oh, just as people are like immersed in their blackberries or trios or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I could just imagine people like twittering their, I don't know how you receive a Twitter. Is that like a, a verb? Or, I don't know, I don't know what man. the lingo is yet. Yeah, tw- I, th- but you could be just sitting around all day, just getting other people's twitters and not doing anything yourself. Which yeah, they, they call them tweets, just just tweets. so that you're tweet like like tweetly you know, the Jackson Five. Anyway, uh, so we've got a whole bunch of stuff in the show. We could talk about some palm sinking, uh, some Unix stuff. We've got some cool trash things to kind of uncover. We 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 definitely have a a small meal of crow that uh, that John and I are going to enjoy later in the show. And uh, and we have put together a Macworld Expo hotel deal just for you, uh, actually for any listeners of, of the podcast as well as readers of TMO, and we'll tell you about that too. Uh, the first thing that we'll talk about, though, is I think some damaged files. I think some damaged files. Hi, guys. Love the uh, Geek Gab. Been listening for a long time now. Got a question on my uh, G4, G4 uh, iBook. Uh, recently, I noticed there's a folder on there on the hard drive, uh, top level or root level of the hard drive, called Damaged Files. And I never really noticed that before. And it, it's full of stuff. It's full of probably about three, uh, three megabytes of various files. Why do files end up in there? Does the computer fix them? Do I need to fix them? Most of what's in there, I looked at it, seems to be various cache items. Uh, and remnants from uh, application installers and things like that. Uh, it doesn't look like there's anything important. Uh, I don't know why I couldn't delete it, but before I deleted it, I wanted to ask you guys. Thanks a lot. Damaged files, huh? Have you ever seen a folder called damaged files, John? I, 
I've seen something very close. So uh, the only thing I will mention, so I started looking around for this, and uh, like you, I, I don't recall ever seeing something with that particular name. I, I did find that uh, uh, there is a utility called spring cleaning, okay. and uh, just in my research, that it identifies damaged files for you. Now, it's conceivable. If anything created this, it's not the operating system. It's not the Mac OS. It's another application. So that is my only thought is that another application you have, spring cleaning or otherwise, may have picked up, you know, little garbage files, which it sounds like that's what they are. If you're seeing stuff and it doesn't look familiar to you, yeah, it's, it's probably cache. It's cache. Um, cache, yeah. Files, um, at least in this part of the country. Um, so that'd be my one guess. The other guess, though, I think... Uh, you know, if you want to go down this path, Dave. Yeah, well, in the in the trash, sometimes you will find a folder called recovered files. And sometimes you'll see recovered files, space ones, recover files, space two. And that is uh, typically filled with things that the OS on boot up finds in the temp folder. Now, the temp folders are supposed to be deleted on on reboot. But if your Mac reboots spontaneously or without a uh without the, the right path, there will be things left over. And, and the OS takes these things, moves them into a folder called recovered files and puts that in the trash. So if there's ever stuff that, you know, your Mac just spontaneously rebooted or crashed or what have you, uh, you can go find those in the trash. Again, you know, you've got to know to go look for them. Uh, and there's no guarantees that you'll find anything valuable there, but it's certainly one last spot to look. So. And I noticed one thing, a little mini geek tangent, but yeah. uh, every now and then I have seen that, uh, you know, recovered files and it had just a folder with a number and I'm like, what is that number? Well, I finally just kind of with a little poking around in the terminal figured that out. So if you go to the uh, terminal and you change directory to slash TMP, which is the temp directory that most a lot of this stuff comes from. Yep. You do a LS while the machine's running, you'll see it. And I just saw I'm like 501. Oh, look. That's where that came from. So if there's things in the temp folder that have are in the 501, I believe that's a subdirectory. Yeah. Then that's what's a. But then where does that come from? And then I thought, hmm, you know, let me see if I can get lucky here and figure out the right Unix command. And as it turns out, if you type just ID at the prompt, it'll say, oh, by the way, your UID, user ID equals 501. That's so right. normally, and I think you have this too, if you're the first user on a Mac under OpenBSD or whatever, you'll be 501. And otherwise, you'll be who the heck knows. Yeah, well, root is uh, user ID zero, I believe. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure root zero. Uh, and then and then create users created on the machine or inherited from other machines via migration assistant 501, 502, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's uh, that's that. Uh, right. Do we have anything else to, to talk about there? No, that's good. That about. Okay. Uh, Chris writes in, I am a new user of Macs and I'm trying to switch over from PC to Mac. And the only thing holding me back is Palm. I've heard that one of you uses a Palm smartphone. Chris, we actually both use Palms. I use a trio. John uses a, uh, a, a non-phone based Palm. Tungsten. There it is. T2. T Tungsten T2. Okay. Uh, well, here's my question. How do you sync the Palm device with a Mac? I've heard a lot of horror stories and how it is virtually impossible or you have to do some voodoo like shake the phone twice, turn around and jump on one leg when you connect the cord. I have parallels, but I want everything on my Mac side. I want my iCal to sync. This is very discouraging. I've tried my Palm software and I've tried iSync as well as providing uh, 
as well as providing you can help me with the first problem. Is there any software that I can use to hack to my phone to allow me to use the phone connection when traveling? Thank you very much. Okay, Uh, so we'll, we'll deal with the second question. Second. As far as syncing the Palm, I, I have a Trio 650 and uh, runs the Palm OS as opposed to the Trio. Uh, uh, some of the Trios uh, use the Windows Mobile OS. Uh, but those with the Palm OS, I've had luck using the Palm software. However, I currently use a piece of software called Missing Sync for Palm. And Missing Sync for Palm essentially gives you the, the basic functionality of syncing your Mac with the Palm Along with it comes a series of conduits that that enhance that functionality. For example, the latest version of Missing Sync allows me to sync my call log to and from my Mac, my SMS log to and from my Mac, and the notes application that's on the Trio. It allows you to sync to Missing Sync Notes, which is you know their own version of the of a notes application, and it does a very good job at that. It also now syncs to Yojimbo, which is a piece of software that I love and use all the time, and. Uh, so I, I actually sync it to Yojimbo and it's great. So I use Missing Sync. John, what do you use? I'm glad you asked that question. So what I use is a combination of things. So I'm also using the base Palm software, which includes Palm Desktop and then something called, uh, uh, I think it's Conduit Manager, Manager or Hot Sync or something like right. that. Hot Sync Conduit Manager Man- and Conduit Hot Manager. Hot Sync Manager and Conduit Manager, which, you know, they work together. Um, so normally that's on the Mac or on Windows, um, you know, what you use. Now, what happens, and I think this happens in your case too, Dave, so I'm using iSync, which is Apple Sync Utility. It lets you sync parts of what's on your Palm with iSync and, and .Mac and the utilities on your Mac. The key here is that when you start up iSync, you want to go to the Devices menu and say, Enable Palm OS Syncing. What that does is that will replace some of the conduits, which are the uh, software components that tell the Palm software how to sync information with certain devices, and it replaces it with those that are iSyncified. Okay. Can I say that? Yeah. <laughs> so it's not going to sync with the Palm desktop application. Now, the only gotcha here is you got to keep in mind that, uh, well, I guess you could, uh, you want to avoid using multiple conduits for the same application. And I think it, by, by oh, default, yeah. it disables that. And I think you don't want to undo that just in case people are thinking of being geeky because I think it just wreak all sorts of havoc. So the only thing you got to keep in mind is that in this case, once you do this on your computer, iSync and the Apple apps will sync to some things on the Palm, but some other things may still sync to the Palm desktop software. Like, for example, I believe Notes, if you take like text notes or something, I think that'll still sync with the Palm software. So that's the only caveat, but for the most part, I would say this would meet your uh, Palm seeking needs, assuming that the, the version of Palm and the Palm software works on your particular Mac and Mac OS, which yeah, I'm not aware of any limitations as far as the Palm software. I don't know if they've been releasing anything terribly new. No, for- they, they haven't. Um, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, because, of course, you're on uh, PowerPC-based Macs, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the Palm software works fine for you. I, I use the, the missing sync software that I use is Intel Native. Uh, and that's kind of why I switched to it. Although I seem to remember the Palm software working just fine, uh, even though it was running in uh, emulated mode. In fact, I, you know, I'm a big uh, fan of now up to date and now contact. And that's what I use for my calendar and address book. And, uh, and the conduits for now up to date and now contact are both still PowerPC. So they actually run emulated via missing sync, which has its own way of dealing with that. So I get, I think that may be why I switched to missing sync initially. 
uh, it was just to get, you know, as Intel native as I possibly could. And, and it, for the most part, it works great. I, I have an issue where every now and then, maybe every three or four months, my everything in my calendar gets duplicated when uh, when I sync with the Palm. But I think that's a now up to date conduit issue and not a uh, you know not a hot sync global uh-huh. issue. So well, I have a little thing on my Palm. I'll have to link to it. I think it's still out there. But to the problem you just mentioned, it's a little utility called Undupe, oh. and it will go through on the Palm. And look through your calendars, your notes, your to-dos, and all that, and you can see either do a, you know, casual or exhaustive search, and it finds things in the palm that are duplicated. It'll delete all but one. Which, it, you know, it's still. Uh, it sounds like we've both run into this where you would think the yeah. device is smart enough. Gee, there are two things. They have the exact same name. They occur on the exact same time and date. Maybe the person doesn't want to create ten of them. Right. Because yeah, I've seen that happen sometimes. Idea. They build up on each other and, and somebody doesn't realize it. So yeah, I will I, link to that because uh, that it, it drove me crazy how in this day and age on a computer that could still happen. I don't know. Yeah, I find it happens more frequently when I sync less frequently. So if I haven't synced for two weeks, I can be pretty certain that uh, that I'm going to go ahead and get a, a duplicated sync. Whereas if I'm doing it, you know, maybe once or twice a week, it, it tends to keep itself uh fairly well in tune so who knows all right we will uh we will move on to murphy oh. hi john and dave this is hi. murphy really i uh, first want to say i really really like your show and i really find the information you give useful and now i have a question that's really kind of simple <clears throat> but i know maybe some other people had some of these problems so i've been doing some type of software a little bit more lately that has to do with the command line and uh, the terminal for OSX. And I installed software called 3D Light. It's just a renderer, but what it does is uh, it has a whole bunch of its own little executables that run functions they've written. And uh, you do a lot of it from the terminal. And I was reading their manual, and they give me a list of commands to write. And I go to write those commands, and terminal says it can't find them. And then I realized that if I if I go to the folder where it has all these executables listed and drop in the full directory to the command and then enter the arguments, it works just fine. So I was wondering, is there something wrong with my system variables? Do I have to open a file in my system to be able to find this folder default to look for commands or something? Seems really simple. Just thought you might be able to help. Oh, are you going to say something? And here's where I give you my contact information. Uh, that's what I thought. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it, there is, and, and this, this actually digs deeply into uh, Mac OS X's Unix roots. Uh, this is nothing new. Uh, and thankfully, it's all been preserved here in, in OS X. When you open the terminal, you are starting in, in Unix lingo what's called a shell. And every time you start a shell, certain things happen. Uh by default, the shell in Tiger in Panther 10.3 and later, so 10.3 and 10.4, the shell is Bash, B-A-S-H, which I believe is the born shell, but I may be wrong on that. But uh, wait. What's that? My, my machine's not like that, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Well, yeah, that's right. Prior to that, it was the T-shell. T-C-S-H was the, was the shell. So if you have been upgrading your user over, over time, you may still have the, the T-shell by default. And there's some parameters as to when and why that'll happen. Uh, so there, but with either shell, home uh, it, putting a file called 
profile in your home directory. And you can edit this with text edit. You can do it from the command line. You can do it with just about any text editor available. Uh, you can specify what you want in the Unix path. And the Unix path is the answer to your question. That is where you can specify where the OS looks for commands that you've simply typed. If you just type the name of a command, it only looks in certain places and the path is where it looks uh, without getting overly geeky here, because frankly talking about the command line uh, to too much of an extent, sort of counterintuitive. It's easier to read this stuff. Uh, so we found an article at O'Reilly net uh, all about bash on Mac OS 10. A lot of it also applies to TCSH on OS 10, uh, especially in regards to the path and that sort of thing. So uh, we'll, we'll link to that and that's already in the show notes. It's, it's pre populated in the show notes so you can you can see it right away did you have something to uh to add for us here John? Uh, yeah i think quickly if you type uh i don't think you mentioned this but if you type set in most environments i think pretty much every unix environment you will see a group of uh environment variables absolutely path being one of them yep and uh yeah by default you know you'll find I, I think i think the machine i'm on is pretty pretty default and so we've got slash sw slash bin slash sw slash s bin and then slash usr slash oh. local slash bin etc etc oh i do have something i'm sorry um go ahead if you want to change and now this is where you know i realized now I, I knew this for a while but because i'm a you know uh person who uh, has had os 10 probably since the beta though i think i may have on a reformat. Um, I do the upgrade thing, which is why I'm running TCSH and not bash. But if you want to see what shell you're running, I believe the command Unix command is CHSH, which is change shell. Uh, so if you want to change the shell, I think that's what it's for because mine, if I, if I do that, it says, oh, your shell is slash bin slash TCSH. Well, that's what I that, thought that did. For CHSH doesn't launch a command uh, it doesn't launch a window that allows you to edit your shell parameters. Yeah, it did. Oh, yeah. okay. It does. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can, if you want to see what shell you're running uh, or by default, you're going to run, you can always type uh, finger F I N G E R space. And then your short username. So on my machine, my short username is Dave. And so you type finger space Dave, and it'll actually tell you where your home directory is and what your shell is. And that's a good way of doing it without going and, uh, and opening a file that, that you could then edit and get stuck with. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's all kinds of ways of getting this information in Unix. Yeah, I like the uh, dangerous way. Where I know. Going. Yeah, that's good. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. Uh, speaking of text editors, I'll, I'll run right into our first sponsor for the show, which is Barebones BB Edit. And, uh, and you could. You could use BB Edit to edit your dot .profile. Uh, in fact, you can even install a BB Edit version at the command line. And make BB Edit your default text editor so that when you type a command like CHSH, it actually opens up the relevant files in BB Edit. You edit there. You've got a fully GUI editor. Hit Command S. It saves it back out to the uh, to the terminal and you're good to go. Uh, in addition, BB Edit 8.7 includes a bunch of new features. Uh, you can now show and hide individual menu commands. It's got code folding that's very language sensitive. So when it uh, detects that you're in, say, PHP or C or uh, gee, just about any other language, I think it's they've got what almost 40 languages that it uh, that it detects. If you're writing a function 
and you've written the function, you can actually fold the whole function up with one of those little twisty triangle things that are uh, so obvious from the finder. And you can see either see the whole function or fold it up and not see it and just see the descriptor line. They also added the Dave Hamilton feature, which is something I really, really like. If you've got a slew of windows open and you quit BB edit, the next time you launch BB edit, all of those windows will open back up. Even if the files resided on an FTP server, it will go and fetch recent copy, you know, current copies of everything, open them up, multiple windows, drawers, BB edit from barebones.com. Hey, Dave and John, it's Mike from Portsmouth, New Hampshire again. You helped me a little while back with a Slingbox question, but I got another geeky question for you, and uh, here it is. Um, I use uh, Smart Playlist and iTunes um, to drive most of my playlists, and um, I use PlayCount to, uh, to make a lot of those playlists. And the problem is, is that when I'm uh, working out, um, which is 90, 95% of the time I'm listening to music on my iTunes library, um, I don't have the patience to wait the last 10, 15 seconds of a song before I uh, switch over uh, to the next song. And um, obviously that doesn't register a play count, which doesn't uh, help build my smart playlist. So I was wondering if there was any hack or plug-in or program to make it possible to say, you know, after 90% of the song is played, register that as a play count, so then it go ahead and um, uses that information to keep on building my smart playlist. Um, I'm not sure if this is possible because it, I think it would have to be something that on the Nano itself. Um, so if you have any insight into this, any solutions, um, that'd be great. My contact. All right. Uh, yeah, a little obsessive, but that's okay. That's what uh, that's what we're here for. You could shave ten seconds off of all of my songs. <laughs> well, that's actually what I was thinking. That that's exactly what I was thinking here is. You know, if you go into iTunes and you get info for a song and you go to the options tab, you can adjust the stop time of the song, right? Where you can you can set it to be wherever you want. And those settings do transfer when you sync up to your uh, iPods. So it, obviously it would be a very, very manual process to go through and do this. But I'm thinking there might be something you could mine from Doug's Apple scripts for iTunes. And I think it's Doug's Apple scripts for iTunes uh, that, that could do something like this, you know, maybe automatically shave five seconds off of each song. It's, it's all very scriptable. So th there's probably a way of doing this other than that. That's, that's the only way the iPod is a closed system. So there's not going to be any way to go in and tell it, uh, you know, go ahead and update this. Uh, although you, you might be able to, again, with scripting, pull some data out of the, you know, the skipped count. But uh, I think that gets really, I think you're probably better off going and, and just shaving 10 seconds off at the end of each song. I, I don't know. I, that's my only thought on that. If anybody's got any ideas, John, you have any, uh, any other ideas? Uh, Doug script had a add or subtract play count script. So okay. You could, using that script. I mean, because, uh, most of the, uh, uh, iTunes data these days, from what I've seen, is in a XML file, which is kind of a non-standard standard way of laying out data, at least as far as delimiters and, right. and all that. Maybe not so much the schemas, uh, but so you can bump that up or down. Or yeah, I'm, you know, write a script with your favorite sound utility. To just since you know you're not going to listen to those last ten seconds of the song, just shave it off and right. Physically, I mean, like alter the sound file and take those ten seconds away. I guess you could. It's a lot of work, though. <laughs> I'd rather do the script thing. 
Uh, okay. So we told you that we were working on getting a hotel discount for Macworld Expo. Many of you have asked us about about this every year. We, we in the past, we had become known as the people to ask about the best hotel deal. And that was because after 9-11, the travel industry was in the toilet. And we really through uh, the the through the goading from from Dan Knight at Low and Mac, who who shamed me one year for not having used Priceline Priceline. Uh, we'd started using Priceline and hot wiring and we got pretty good at finding great deals. In fact, one year, I think we had everybody staying at the Marriott for like 67 bucks a night when the when the uh, the, the, in, in, you know, right in San Francisco there when the you know, the, I remember when we stayed at the Waldorf Astoria. We did. We stayed at the Waldorf hey. for 120, 20 bucks a night in New York. It, it was crazy. <laughs> Those days are gone, though, folks. Uh, the, the travel industry has recovered. They've they've kind of figured things out, and typically, there's not that kind of uh, opportunity available for for rooms at uh, at four star hotels. The other thing that they've done, even w- when there is availability, they've they've spread it out. It used to be that you could pick. I want to be in the uh, you know Moscone Convention Center area, not north of Market Street. I only want to be south. It, you know, you got to really be granular about where you were picking. That has changed. Now it's you know you're picking a huge wide area that goes all the way out to Embarcadero, and it, you don't mm-hmm. want to run that risk. So uh, you've got to pick your hotel. IDG does a great job at pulling together hotels, and they've actually assisted us this year in in finding rooms at a hotel called the Hotel Milano, and. We were able to get a rate of 154 a night. That's down from 159 a night, which is the best rate you can get through IDG. So if you do this, if you're going to come to Macworld Expo, come stay through the TMO deal, uh, and uh, and it, you can help us a little bit and really help yourself. It, what we're getting out of this deal is a little something, but but not nearly what you guys are getting out of it. To be brutally honest here, uh, now. You're going to go to the you're going to do what I did when when they told me, well, the Milano is one of the options here. Uh, I went to the Milano's website and the website stinks. It, it really does. It's absolutely horrible. There's like a tiny little picture. It doesn't do any justice to the hotel. So we actually took the pickiest member of TMO staff when it comes to hotels, Mr. Brian Chaffin, our, our, our uh, esteemed editor. And we sent him to downtown San Francisco uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he visited a bunch of hotels, some that cost a whole lot more than the Milano. And uh, and so he went through and surveyed each hotel and found that the Milano was the best bet, uh, especially for the price. But but even even beyond that, it's just a fantastic hotel. Uh, He found that the the king bedrooms were the largest of all the hotels he saw that day. Uh, it's very close to the show, especially now that the, the Macworld Expo is being held in Moscone West and South, right? So it's just around the corner from Moscone West. You're right there. He, he looked in a bunch of rooms there and on his iPhone had three to four bars of airport reception in every room surveyed. So the connections are good. There's big, comfortable desks in every room. And uh, of course, there's a jacuzzi and a steam room, which is a favorite of the TMO staff and the backbeat staff after a long day on the show floor. So uh, the Hotel Milano for 154 bucks a night. Uh, go check it out. We've got an article on the site that will allow you to link through or you can call up and use the uh, TMO 2008 code. Uh, but uh, but go ahead and, and check out the, the page on the website. And that's that's going to be your best bet. Uh, otherwise, 866-704-6724 again with the code TMO 2008. And uh, while you're at Macworld Expo, I believe on Wednesday, although the time may change, currently it's slated for Wednesday afternoon. I'm running, I'm uh, putting on a session called Running Your Mac Lean, Clean, and Mean, and I'd love to see you all there. So that's uh, 
That's our that's our pimpage for what we're doing at Macworld Expo. And if you I'm going to be there to heckle you. Good. I hope you are. That's good. Your session. I like to have hecklers. Well, I'll have you removed, but that's okay. It's good. <laughs> you know who I am. Yeah, that's why they'll be removing you. Actually, <laughs> that's exactly why. <laughs> uh, I don't really say that in real life. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I try not to say that in real life either. I don't. I don't really like to play that. You know, do do you know who I am? Card. I had somebody. I, I think you actually said it with regards to me once, though. We were at uh, Portable Media Expo a couple of years back. And they weren't letting people with press passes into sessions, right? And we went to see Dave Slush's session. And it was, oh my God, I mean, it was like, you know, the, the room was, it wasn't empty, but it wasn't packed. You know, it was maybe three quarters full. And uh, this was the second year of PME. And, uh, and they didn't want to let me in because I had, you know, my, my press badge on that, uh, that said, you know, and they're like, well, press isn't allowed. And I, maybe it was either you or maybe I was with Ricky because he had a speaker badge on and they were going to let him in. And uh, Ricky just looks very. Uh, yeah. And he's like, do you know who this is? He's like, did you see the banners outside with the big Mac observer and iPod observer logos? on him? like that. You know, that, that's him. You got to let him in. And, and they finally were like, well, I guess there's enough room we can let press in. Like, <laughs> it didn't really work. But, you know, uh, I guess it helped. Oh, well. Yeah. So uh, remember the old days of dumpster diving, John? Well, we're not going to talk about that, but we are going to talk about digging deeper yeah. into the trash. What? So can't talk about <laughs> Hello, Hi, Dave and John. This is Dave from Chicago. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I just want to comment about your answer to the VAPS questions from last week's program, 123, about trashing files from his Morantz recorder and uh, camera storage cards. You gave good suggestions about letting the device itself delete the files and format the cards, uh, but I think you might have missed a more basic question that he had. The VAP is a recent switcher and might not understand exactly how the trash works on a Mac. Um, when you place a file in the trash can, the Mac moves the file to an invisible .trash folder on that drive. If the original file is on an external drive or a flash card, it's moved to a .trash folder on that card or drive. It'll stay hidden then in that folder on the card until the empty trash command is selected. If the card or drive isn't mounted when the trash is emptied, the file won't be deleted and continue to take up space on that card. Bob seemed to understand this in theory, in part, because he was concerned that Emptying the trash is kind of drastic, uh, as he said, and he might lose other files in the trash that he wasn't ready to delete yet. Uh, it seems he might be using the trash to store files he's not sure what to do with, uh, which is kind of a dangerous practice, actually. Uh, there are utilities out there that allow you more control over managing the trash. Uh, apps like Super Trash will allow you to select which files you want to have deleted or which volumes you'd like to empty without clearing every .trash folder on your computer. I just found that with a quick Google search. Um, just some extra information to help out any other switchers out there. Again, as always, love your show. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Dave. That, that's actually uh, very helpful information. There, there are a couple of apps that, uh, that will help clean off the, uh, the uh, clean those files out of a DS store. And, and our favorite fact checker, the, the official fact checker of TMO, uh, Mac Geek Gab, Scott Barman, <laughs> he, he sent in something and I am going to try and do this justice here because this is pure, pure genius. Now, you have to know it's been two weeks since that show aired, but this comment appeared probably 24 hours after the show uh, hit his 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 podcatcher there. Scott writes <clears throat> on your show, one, two, three, a listener wanted to be free. 
of .ds store files littering his card because removing them seemed very hard. But there are solutions to be had that will remove these files which are bad. Blue Harvest is an app that will help the VAP. You should go to his site and hear his rap. Blue Harvest will take out the trash and hidden folders which, without much thrash. It's a cool program that works on any Mac. And for $10, the price won't break your back. There is one more, one more thing that you can do, but you will need to set a default to true. This will keep those files off the net, even if you have not seen this problem yet. The terminal can be your friend. If nothing else, it's a means to an end. Just click it open and begin to type defaults, write com.apple.desktopservices space DS. Don't write network stores. True. We'll put it in the show notes and those network drives will remain clean without the hype. Now my story must conclude, but I need an ending that it is not at all rude. So I will tell you that I like green eggs and ham. I like them signed Scott. I am pure genius folks. We will put that, <laughs> uh, that, that link to blue harvest and the, uh, the text for the, uh, the terminal, uh, command that you would need to type to turn it off in the show notes. But Scott, thank you. Thank you very much. Bravo. I thought he was just an, a geek, not an artist. Oh man, he so he he runs the uh, the coin collectors blog, and we'll we'll link to that too. Uh, moving along here, uh, what else do we have? Oh, our second sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible uh, is a place where you can go to get audiobooks uh, for listening on your computer. You can burn them to CD and listen in your car or in your at your home stereo. You can of course sync them to your iPod. Uh, and if you click the special link or simply visit Mac, uh, sorry, audible.com slash Mac geek gab, uh, you'll get a 14 day free trial of audible listener gold. And, and this is the real bonus one free download just for going through that link. That's the only way you can do it. You can't get it. If you go straight to their site, you got to go to audible.com slash Mac geek gab. Some titles include how to survive a robot uprising, the I was book, Stephen Levy's the perfect thing all about the iPod the icon Steve Jobs book and Alan Deutschman's The Second Coming of Steve Jobs. So again, audible.com slash MacGeekGab will get you your one free download and get you into the world of Audible and really start trying that stuff out. So uh, I you actually I signed up for it when when they became a sponsor and I'm actually still using it. I've, I've, I love it. So uh, very happy to, to have them on board. Moving along from there, I... Uh, you know, we started talking. I think we got a mass hallucination going here. That's all I <laughs> say. All right. Uh, thanks, John. Uh, John's not talking about Audible, of course, with the mass hallucination. He's talking about uh, oh, either either John or I having a, a combined hallucination or the, what, dozens, if not uh, more than dozens of, uh, of letters and, and comments that we got about us being wrong about Apple not having shown a Firewire drive playing a movie that was simply unplugged uh, without without complaint. And uh, well, well, we'll let Max uh, Max and Bill, I think, say it best. And, and then we'll we'll talk about some other things that we got here, too. Hi, guys. This is Max calling from Antwerp. Um, I've been listening to podcast 126, and you had a thing from Tim about unplugging. Sorry, podcast 123. You had a thing from Tim about unplugging Firewire drives uh, while you were doing something with them, and you guys couldn't remember that uh, this was once possible. Well, um, 
Tim was actually right, I think back in the old OS 9, maybe even 8 days, um, if you unplug the FireWire drive, it would come up with an alert on the screen which you couldn't get out of, I don't think, that says, please plug that drive back in again so I can finish doing what I was doing. Um, I can even just visualize the thing in my, in my head now. Um, so Tim was right, um, and I can certainly understand nowadays why that's just not possible with um, multi-threading, multi-tasking, everything. Whereas back in the old days, it was fairly easy to lock up the whole computer, waiting for someone to plug something back in. So um, I hope that answers uh, your question and your confusion. Bye-bye. Hi, John and Dave. This is Bill from the UK. Uh, I'm calling with reference to your caller last week who remembered a demo of Apple writing data to a Firewire hard drive, unplugging it, and then plugging it back in. Well, he's not imagining it, because I remember that as well. Uh, it was at the launch of the Blue and White G3, which was the first Mac to have Firewire on board, and they did a demo as part of the keynote, not only doing that, but also streaming video from a camcorder to two Macs at the same time. Um, the hard drives they were using were the big red VST bricks that they uh, made, one of some of the first Firewire hard drives. And uh, I've even found a reference to it on the Mac Observer's website. So, uh, you're not dreaming. Thanks. You know, John, the, the reference that Bill refers to is actually an uh -huh. article an article that cites the fact that I was there and saw this. Uh, so, so it was 99. It was January 8th of 1999. Uh, and, and what we noticed while we, while we saw it there live was that Apple demoed, uh, was demoing it with QuickTime 4. Um, and they did not announce QuickTime 4 that day. So there was some confusion over, well, does it exist? Doesn't it exist? And, and that's what the article was about. But it does confirm, in fact, that I saw this demo. And then Corey sent in a, uh, a link to a YouTube video that uh, it, it we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes. It's actually pre-populated there. Uh, at the seven minute mark of that movie, you can see exactly what Tim and everyone else was talking about. So... Uh, Unless there's a mass conspiracy, John, to... Uh, Dave, 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 you <laughs> don't know the lengths that Steve will go through <laughs> to change history. I, I'm, well, that's true. They did, I think they did alter that video to take there's out... There's this the, group the reference that's like a shadow before. group within Apple who's... Yeah. <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, the... Uh, I'm going to adjust my tinfoil here. Hold uh, on. Okay. While you adjust your tinfoil hat, I will, uh, I will apologize to Tim for, for us claiming that he might be a little off his rocker in show number 123, because clearly uh, he, uh, he remembered something we all saw. So... Yeah. And to be serious, I actually tried this on my, on my power book. I have an external FireWire drive, FireWire 400. Plugged it in, started up, computer saw it. I unplugged and replugged immediately. So OS X definitely does not like this, unless you're quicker than me, but I was pretty quick. So I could imagine there was a version of OS 9 that, of course, did this sort of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not Which convinced. It sounds kind of cool, but it, is it that? Yeah, I'm wondering about the data loss aspect yeah. and all that stuff you were saying. Uh, no, well, I, I'll let that go. But but somebody else wrote in, and I can't remember who it was. I, I, you know, I read through all the emails earlier today. And there is a version of, I think, SUSE Linux that allows you to unplug drives without unmounting them first. But because of all the error checking that goes on, the, the write speeds were ridiculously slow in this version of, of Linux. So I don't think it ever really caught on, but it, it did exist. Well, so. 
actually, you know, I saw more of this. Now that I think about it, it was more on the PC and Unix side, but you did have hot swappable drives, and that I think it was mostly SCSI. Yeah. Where you could yank a drive while everything's running, and I think it was mostly drive enclosures, not so much computers, but drive enclosures right. where... And I think X-Rate does that too, doesn't it? I'm pretty sure it does. You don't oh, hear yeah. too much about X-Rate these days, the uh, Apple-branded uh, you know, RAID array. Yeah, the the uh, the machine that serves uh, TMO's site actually has a hot swappable mirrored drive array, a RAID array in there, hardware RAID. And yep. uh, yeah, if one of the drives fails, you just pull it out and pop another one in, and it you know go through and 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 refill it with uh, with all the stuff from the other drive and get it back in sync. So that's uh, that's where we're at. Uh, next week's show will be on Monday. I'm fairly certain, but I have no idea what the subject matter will be, uh, which means it's going to be a quote unquote normal geek gab, which means us answering your questions and sharing your tips and sharing your hints. We've actually got quite a few, uh, more than we were able to get to in this show today. So, uh, but please do send them in. We, we like to, we like to keep current. we like to hear what you're saying about what, uh, what we do we got a lot of stuff man we could write a book hey maybe we yeah, should wanna... you want to write a book john why don't you do that <laughs> john, john's gonna write a book this week folks uh while john's writing his book you can send your comments and feedback into a variety of sources uh variety of destinations rather feedback at macgeekgab.com right uh you can skype it to macgeekgab and then you can uh phone it in if you will to 206 206- 666-GEEK, which, John, is 206-666-4335. Thank you very much. Uh, Michael Johnston, of course, has uh, converted this show into AAC for you, and his site, iPhoneAlley.com, is growing by leaps and bounds. I don't know how he's doing it. I, I Well, I do. He's, he, he's kicking butt over there. But uh, it's rare that I've seen a site grow as fast as his is growing. And I mean, we've been doing this website thing for, you know, 10 plus years here. I predict he has no life, but the site's doing great. Yeah, that may be true. Yeah, but that's, I mean, we didn't have any life when uh, when we started TMO and and, uh, put in 80 hour weeks and we couldn't grow it as fast as he's growing iPhone Alley. I'll tell you that right now. So uh, if you're an iPhone user or thinking about becoming one, it's a great site to check out. Uh, Cashfly, of course, is the place from where you've downloaded this file, and I've never said that right. Uh, but but suffice to say, they are the edge caching network that gets you the Mac Geek Gab podcast quick, fast, reliable, right on time. It's Cashfly. The podcast marketplace this month has the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edited Course from Barebone Software, one free download from audible.com as long as you click audible.com slash MacGeekGab, and PDF Pen from Smile on My Mac. I don't think we have anything else to say, John, right? We're, uh, we can get out of here now. We're good to go. Ready to roll? I got something to say. What do you have to say, John? Vote. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, not only in the upcoming election, which, uh, you know, especially if you're in America, come on. Oh, yeah, voting's good. Yeah, go vote uh, for us at Podcast Alley, and then when you're done voting there... That too. Yeah, go to iTunes and write us a comment. We love when you write comments at iTunes. Please go write comments at iTunes. Oh, yeah, and uh, if your calendar's old, daylight savings time is not this weekend. It's the following weekend, November 3rd really? and 4th. So uh, make sure you, uh, you know, if, 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 that you, you don't screw it up. And what's the thing you don't want to do, John? Uh, get caught. 
Maynard.